That's a good start. <laughs> it's a pretty good call, Father. I, uh, I will be preaching on groaning creation today. Um, you know, it's funny. People often have, like, nightmares of showing up in front of people, you know, forgetting to get dressed in the morning. Mine's always a nightmare of writing a sermon on the wrong propers. You know, <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. Well, good morning. It's always good to be back at uh, St. Thomas's. Unfortunately, the members of my family we all want to see are not with me today. Um, all you get is the long-winded seminary and no cute babies. Uh, but speaking of babies, it was really wonderful last week to uh, be here and to witness the baptism of my son, uh, Liam. It was a bit of a wild day, not because of anything that happened here at church, but um, because after a long car ride with kids, uh, they're struggling to keep their composure, as you can guess. Um, it was beautiful, because it reminded me, and I hope it reminded you all, of the power contained in the act of baptism. That in the midst of our mortal life, we witnessed a child becoming eternally regenerate through the reception of God's infinite grace and mercy. For a moment in our temporal life, we witnessed something eternal. This all brings me to my homily today. My friends, I want to speak to you today about Christian hope. I'm not talking about the sort of hope one might have that a sermon would be short and painless, um, nor am I talking about the hope regarding our temporal desires and needs. But I'm talking about biblical hope. God's ultimate promise to us handed down in the scriptures and made clear today in our epistle reading from St. Paul. First, a little background on the reading. St. Paul wrote the epistle to the church in Rome in AD 57 while visiting the church in Corinth. Uh, It's his longest letter, and it gives really his complete um, summary statement of the gospel. It's his mature masterwork written towards the end of his ministry, showcasing a clear view of our faith. Or in better words, the new life given to us in Christ. And I just want to take a moment to suggest that if you have not read the book of Romans all the way through, I would suggest finding a translation that you can easily understand and reading it. If you're not inclined to read, there are various audio recordings that that I would commend to you. I say this not because I... uh, I say this because I think it's the most um, clear presentation of our faith, period. Paul lays everything out with eloquence and clarity, so much so that I don't think someone can read the epistle to the Romans and not be changed for the better. I digress. Um, In our reading today, Paul explains that we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain, Together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our bodies. 
Romans 6, 22 and 23. One might ask, what is Paul talking about? I ask this question often. Creation groaning for God? Christians groaning for redemption? Well, let me try to shed a little light on the subject. We, as Christians, live a life in anticipation. We are baptized, we are made regenerate, and grafted into the body of Christ. You can see this laid out in the ministration of holy baptism found in your prayer books. Um, This gift also comes with the promise made by Christ to his church. Jesus promises that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. Sound familiar? I submit to you all that that kingdom... The kingdom that Christ will bring about upon his return is exactly what Paul is talking about when he speaks of groaning for redemption. The term groaning is perhaps more clear and understandable to mothers more than anything else. Now, I say this not because I believe mothers are more whiny. Uh, My wife wanted me to make sure I clarified that today. Um, But because the experience of birth gives them a visceral understanding of what it truly means to groan for something. Like a woman in childbirth who is awaiting to see the wonderful treasure of her baby, she groans in pain and goes through labor with anticipation. And that, my friends, is us. We are inwardly groaning for Christ's return and the day of redemption. Let me give you a few examples. When we see on the news that there was another mass shooting, we groan. Inwardly, When we witness the death of a friend or a loved one, we groan inwardly. When the doctors tell you you won't be getting better, we groan inwardly. When we survey the injustices all around us, we groan inwardly. Another question one might ask is, What exactly are we anticipating? What are we groaning for? What is this redemption we're hoping for? Well, Paul calls it the glorious liberty of the children of God. In common terms, it means the return of Christ, the redemption of the world. This redemption, the purifying and perfecting of all things is our Christian hope. And I think it's something that often gets overlooked because it seems a bit obscure or abstract. We as Christians often focus on acting like Christians. We tend to focus on obedience and holiness. These things are all good. I don't, I don't want to water those down, 
And there's certainly evidence of God's grace working in our lives. But they're not our hope. The kingdom that Christ promises us and freely gives us through grace is a place that is not prone to corruption. You see, Jesus saved you and is coming back to destroy sin once and for all. He's returning to create a kingdom on this earth without sin, death, decay, or sorrow. In Revelation 21.4, St. John the Divine describes the heavenly kingdom as a place where God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. I don't know if anyone with any real confidence can give an accurate vision of what this looks like. But I know deep in our heart of hearts, we're all groaning for it. My friends, our days are numbered. Many of us feel the decay on this world acutely. Cancer, old age, disease, the loss of loved ones. We know all too well that this world is not complete. That death, the stain of sin, is an ever-present abomination in our lives. We see this not only in our personal lives, but also imprinted on the culture around us. But we need not live in fear. Our God loves us. We have been baptized and are his forever. Soon, here in this building, we'll interact with the divine. We will take the Eucharist. And with that, we'll be filled with the grace of God and his promise that no matter what happens in this transitory life, he is with you and he will guide you. And eventually he will raise you up again into a new life where there's no sorrow and no tears. All things will be made whole, even you. You will be given a blemishless body that knows no sickness nor death. You will abide with your God, the source of all good things. I want to end this morning with a story that I think gives a good example of God's wondrous grace and unwavering love to us. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Janusz Korczak, but he was a Polish Jewish educator who worked in the Warsaw Orphanage during the beginning of World War II. During the war, the orphans he worked with were forced to leave their building and were placed in the Warsaw Ghetto. Janusz decided that he would not abandon these orphans, or his children as he called them, to the ghetto. Janusz moved in with the orphans to better care for them in this time of war. 
In August of 1942, German soldiers came to escort the 192 orphans and about a dozen staff members to the Treblinka extermination camp. Janus was given many opportunities to abandon his cause and to save himself. Friends in the Polish underground consistently pleaded with him to escape with them. But he repeatedly turned down the offers of sanctuaries, saying that he could not abandon his children. Upon their day of departure to the extermination camp, Janus told all of the children to put on their finest clothes and to bring a favorite book or toy, telling them they were going to the country. An eyewitness described the scene like this. Janusz Korzakov was marching, his head bent forward, holding the hand of a child, without a hat, a leather belt around his waist, wearing high boots. A few nurses were followed by 200 children, dressed in clean and meticulously cared for clothes, as they were being carried to the altar. Janusz and the children were taken to Treblinka and were never heard from again. Now, this is a sad story, but I think this act of selfless love that Janus made for his orphans reminds me so much of the sort of love our God has for us. Our God does not leave us to suffer alone in this world. We're not left to struggle and die alone without hope. But our loving Father is with us every step of the way. Jesus has not left us, nor will he abandon us. Just like Janus, our Heavenly Father holds us by the hand and marches with us into death itself. But that's not the end. For our Father does not just march with us into death or the gas chamber, but brings us to eternal life because he has done all things necessary to save us. Our hope is knowing that when death comes, our God has defeated death and that we will be Christ until he returns. He will resurrect us He will make all things right. He will redeem every aspect of this fallen world. And that is an ending worth hoping for. Amen.